when you first got to the varsity at Foster, who was the first person to bust you up and welcome you to the varsity level? Uh, I want to say Michael Morris. Um, and she was such a force. I mean, just even like watching her play, um, she ended up playing at HBU later, but she's super short. She had like the, you know, Laura Croft, like Tomb Raider braid going on. She's good. And she was really good. Um, and she, I think held like the scoring record at Foster for a really long time, but I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal player. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy All right, welcome to episode three of the Team Player Podcast I am so excited uh, to have a special guest today Bringing the energy, bringing the, bringing the change You know, uh, having a historic season out at Side Springs High School It's Caitlin Riley, uh, Caitlin, welcome to the show Thank you, thank you for having me all right. So, you know, I'm talking about, talking about bringing the change. I, I was, you know, I, you're very active on social, on your social media. You're always bragging on your girls and, and your team. And, you know, to have the best season in a decade was something that really stood out to me. So we definitely wanted to bring you into the team player studios uh, today and, and let you tell your story a little bit. So you started out in central Texas, Centex, you know, and so when I'm, I'm thinking Centex, that can mean a lot of things. You know, so my, I guess in my head, I'm thinking, is that like Killeen, Harker Heights area? Or are you like closer to the hill country? What, what, what's Centex? Uh, born in Temple, lived in Salado, uh, and my dad worked for Belton ISD. Man, they, yep. So I was in the right, I was in the right range, right? So Belton Temple, not too far. Uh, okay, very cool. And then you said that you eventually moved to San Antonio area. And so again, I'm wondering, like I'm thinking Bernie or Lytle or something. So what, which part of San Antonio were, were you in? Uh, first, we were in uh, Universal City Converse area. Um, my dad worked for Judson. Okay. Uh, and then we moved to Lavernia. He still works for Judson, but we lived out in Lavernia. And so your 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 dad is a, is an educator. Uh, he was a transportation director. Oh. Okay. Um, but like I come, I come from a family of that. My mom is a school social worker. My stepmom was payroll for a school district. Grandparents taught, so it runs in the family. Okay, so you started out kind of in in you know the the, the central part of the state, and then you finally made your way over to God's country down out here in the Houston area. Yeah, you you grew up in Richmond. Now you're really in my neck of the woods because I'm also a Fort Bend uh, County guy growing up uh, in Sugarland. I went to Austin High School, which is really it's it's pretty close to Foster, which we could talk about in a second, but. Uh, I was going to ask you, you ever read at the swinging door? Once. Okay. Only once in like fifth grade. Yeah. I mean, I always remember because, you know, I lived in new territory. A lot of the people at Austin lived in Pecan Grove and they, they talk about the swinging door right out there off of 359. So lived there and still only went once. I don't know how that happened. It just did. <laughs> so you're starting out of Foster. Now, mm -hmm. Foster is a, a newer school. I mean, I know Austin high school opened in like 95 and then a foster was a couple years after that. So 
how new was the school when, when you arrived at Foster for high school? Oh gosh. I think like the first graduating class was like Oh two or Oh three. Okay. Um, and then I graduated in Oh nine. Okay. So by that point it was pretty established. Some of the newness, I guess had, had worn off just a little bit. Well, I mean, it was still fairly new though. Cause it was only, there were only three schools in Lamar Consolidated ISD at that time, which was Lamar Consolidated and Terry. So Foster was still, you know, the new baby at that time. Absolutely. And so I know the, the way that y'all have your campuses set up, I like how you have like the junior high right next to the high school. So were, were you able to, to go to junior high right next door and progress pr- pr- through? Yes. Do, do you like, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Is it now that you're a coach, you know, you're running a program, you're wanting to get down to your feeder middle school. So do you, do you like that model or, or do you like, do you like the, the middle school being off campus? No, it's so much easier, especially now that there has been an increase in like middle school outreach. Um, that saves a lot of time and it's just real quick and easy. And it's easy to take the girls over there too. Sure. To, to do middle school stuff. So um, no, that's, that's a great setup. So you arrive at Foster, you start playing. Uh, and I, I got to chuckle out of this. Your, your coach, when you got there was Tom Jones. And maybe I'm just dating myself or really old. I don't know if you get the reference, but that that's the guy who has a song it's not unusual that you know carlton would dance to on fresh prince so that was one of my early karaoke songs that i used to do when i was running around singing karaoke uh so that that just kind of i'm sure it wasn't the same tom jones right coach uh no no not a retirement um, gig or anything okay, okay. <laughs> no but this tom jones um coached boys um and i know he left after my first year to go to Pearlands, and i know at that time we were like the first girls team he had coached and just i know that some of our <laughs> female conversations kind of threw him off a little bit so that was always kind of fun to do it on purpose in front of him let me ask you that let me dig into that a little bit um <laughs> no, no, not not too deep i don't know not, not, not the specifics of your female conversations or anything but just the dynamic of you have a a, a man who, who's used to coaching boys you know similar to last week adam ramirez our guest on episode two his first year at north forest he coached boys and then he transitioned to the girl side now he's gone on 10 you know nine ten years of doing that and so did what's it like, you know, from a female athlete perspective, having a male coach? I don't think I thought anything about it at that time. Um, because I think it was just kind of like the norm. Uh, I mean, I just, I don't remember a lot of female head coaches, um, for soccer. I mean, even now there's still a lot of males, um, that are, that are head coaches. And lately I know we've started to see some females take over some boys programs, especially around San Antonio. So I think that is interesting. And I would like to see how that works. Cause that's like brand new in the coaching world. Oh, no, I, I was thinking kind of, you're kind of reading my mind. I was thinking the same thing. I know even like at the pro level, I know like Becky Hammond is a top assistant for your Spurs, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I, I'm all for that. You know, I've, I've, if, if men can coach women's sports, I don't see, you know, why women can't coach men's sports. And so I'm curious, is, is that something you would ever aspire to, aspire to, or are you, are you, do you prefer being on the women's side? Um, I mean, I've only ever coached girls, but I mean, I'm up for a challenge. I like to challenge myself. Um, as I, I tell people, I like to make my life difficult. Um, so that's something that is definitely in the realm of possibility. Um, I also want to be in a leadership position in athletics in general, uh, so I think that that would give me a more, uh, you know, well-rounded perspective and, and make me a better leader overall. Absolutely. Now, and you also, you know, you, you mentioned to me that you were in the varsity choir. So you played soccer at Foster. You're also in the varsity choir and you kind of threw me for a loop a little bit when you, you gave me a little bit of background on yourself. You, 
the, you got you you were offered a scholarship to Sam for, for choir. Totally no, get that. Uh, junior college. I didn't go to Sam till later. Um, oh, okay, I, I see. Decisive, um, as you know, an eighteen-year-old, um, and I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to go. So I started out um, local junior college, Wharton. So shout out to Whack Jack over there. Yeah. Um, but that's where I got the two choir scholarship offers was to Wharton. But also, you said and this is the part that that threw me for a loop. You got you also said you got a band scholarship. However, you had not start playing an instrument until you arrived at college. So was that one? <laughs> this is explain to me the, the, the uh, logistics of how that one worked. Um, so it was it was my last semester there, uh, year two, last semester. And I was going to be losing one of my choir scholarships because of the choir meeting times um, overlapped with a government class that I needed. And the band director was actually my American music teacher. And I jokingly said, hey, uh, Waldrip, I need a band scholarship because I'm losing choir, so I need this. And he kind of laughed and I thought that was the end of it. A week later, he's like, I need you to come into my office. I was like, okay, so I thought it was something about class. And then he goes, I need you to sign this paper. And I was like, what is it? He goes, oh, it's a scholarship uh, uh, letter. So I need you to sign it saying that you agree to the scholarship. I'm like, you do know that I actually don't play an instrument, correct? Like I played the recorder <laughs> in fifth grade, but I don't know how to play an instrument. He's like, no, it'll be great. You can play auxiliary percussion. So I literally got a scholarship that paid for, that covered the rest of my second year of college. Um, and I played like the, the tambourine, the triangle and the maraca. Yes. And I had a cowbell? blast. Cowbell maybe, a little cowbell? Yes, I did do cowbell. I did. That is awesome. So you you were you were that person in the back, just kind of oh, keeping yeah. the keeping the beat, keeping it moving. That, hey, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you this. Anytime, and I'll ask you this question later. But anytime I talk to a soccer person, they always, almost always, tell me that the the goalkeeper is the most important player on the squad. And and conversely, in music, I've always heard like the drummer is kind of like the heartbeat of what yeah. so would you echo that sentiment of what you were doing for the band well, yeah i mean that, that keeps it helps you kind of keep the rhythm too because if, if you lose count you can almost even if they're drumming a faster beat or something it helps you keep count with that um and so it was easy for me because I, I sat right, ne right next to the drummer uh during concerts and that kind of kept me on pace but i mean i just had a blast with it i i don't know if i was any good um, but I mean, we did Fiddler on the Roof and I was going at it on that triangle. That is awesome. And so, okay. So you, you were so impressive at Inquire that, that you were, you got a scholarship and something you never had ever done. So I got to ask you, like I said, I, I'm old now, so I don't do this anymore and go out late. But like, I mean, I used to, I used to be on that karaoke circuit, like all the time. So have you ever sung karaoke? I'm curious. Yes. Okay. Can, may I ask your go-to song? This was not on the show notes. I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh, um, do I have a go-to? Um, I mean, if I'm being like silly, uh, I'm probably going to do something like Spice Girls, um, boys even, um, there was a time when I tried to be serious. Then I realized I was not as good as I thought like Adele I was. or something trying to come in with Adele or Whitney Houston. Or what? <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> um, I would try to do like Casey Musgraves. Okay. Like, no, can't do it. I think the last one I did was big and rich. I think that was the very last song I did. Oh, excellent. That, that is awesome. Uh, this, I love, I love that. Just, but you, luckily you, I mean, you had some real talent though. So not a guy like me just coming in there, just butchering songs from the nineties, just to get that nostalgia feel. But, uh, I I'm think that's with, uh, been with a group solo yeah. act so much. Very cool. Very cool. So then, you know, after whack Jack, you, you end up going on to Sam, eat them up cats. And you decided, you know, you, you were just, 
you, you had the career at Foster, but you were burnt out. And, and you, you mentioned that sometimes you, you regret that decision to hang up the cleats. So just, just kind of curious, some, some of your thoughts looking back on, on that decision to just focus on academics in college. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I was really indecisive and uh, I made some decisions that were not the best for me uh, during this time period. And especially while I was at Sam and um, I was, I was really lost. So I didn't regret it at the time. Um, but now being a coach, you know, I just feel like it would have made me a better coach or given me a different perspective. Um, sometimes I regret it, but then sometimes I don't because I feel like if I hadn't gone through those hardships, I may not have snapped out of the decision-making that you know I was doing. I, I may not have grown up when I did. I think that's powerful, Caitlin. You know, for everyone, all the coaches listening into the podcast, like Adam Ramirez shared a similar experience last week where he had a lot of trials and tribulations, but that actually can make you stronger, you know? And so- I, I see a lot of similarities there. Um, and I mean, I think also for any athletes listening that maybe aspire to get in coaching when their athletic career is over again, this is Caitlin Riley leading a big turnaround at Cy Springs. And, you know, she, she did, she was, she didn't necessarily, you didn't have to play big time college soccer to be able to do that. I mean, you need to dedicate to your craft. So I think that's awesome. You know, that, that, that you're able to do that and, and, you, you worried about if it was going to impact your coaching career, but I would say that this, nothing's farther from the truth for sure. So you see, you studied sociology. That was one of my favorite classes. Shout out Miss Libby, uh, Miss Gelati at the time, Mrs. Libby now at Austin high school. I, I actually taught that as well. It was one of my favorite subjects I taught when I was at Ridgepoint. So educate me a little bit, just, just for the listeners, tell us, just give us, give us your elevator pitch on, on what sociology is. Um, well, so I'm a funny story is actually how I got into it. Okay. Um, you know, I told you I was, I was lost and, um, I had changed my major a bunch of times and I was really unhappy with all of them. Uh, I almost joined the military twice, um, because I just did not have a direction. And finally I went and sat down with my advisor, um, who at the time I did not care for, uh, he, he was one of my sociology professors. Uh, but now I absolutely adore him. Uh, we're friends on Facebook. Hey, Doug. Um, <laughs> but I sat down with him and I was like, what's going to get me out of school the fastest? Like, I'm tired of being in school. He goes, well, you have a lot of sociology credits. I'm like, great, let's do that. Those are really interesting. And he's like, okay, you need a minor. I'm like, what about education? He goes, mm, that's going to put you in school another semester. I was like, nope, what's the next <laughs> option? He goes, political science. I was like, done, let's do that. Um, and those political okay. science classes I actually took kind of overlapped with sociology. But it's, it's hard to explain to like high schoolers what it is. I just tell people that, you know, sociology is getting to look at society and groups of people and how they interact within that society, but how that also, how society as a whole influences individual behavior as well. Right. And do you teach? I've taught, taught it too. So. No, yeah. And that's what I'm asking. Like currently, is that, that, is your, that is your course or are you teaching something else? No, I taught it when I was at uh, my first teaching job. My second year, my first teaching job, I was split um, with sociology and world history. Uh, right now I am teaching something else. Okay, very cool. So now, you know, you, you, you kind of gave us a little bit of your origin, origin story. So like you initially, were, we, you turned away from education. You, you decided you were going to go be Senator Riley instead of Coach Riley. <laughs> but what, what, brought you back, what brought you back to actually get into education as a career? Um, you know, I was 14 when I first entertained the idea and I was like, I want to be a soccer coach because I love the sport. I really do. Um, and I was like, and I want to teach. Um, and then when I was sitting there with, so when I decided sociology and I was like, 
I don't have a plan. And so I was like, you know what, go back to square one. Let's, let's, I'm a different person now. Let's, let's go back and let's get it done. And so I did that. And I, I went through the alternative certification um, and finished that within like a couple of months. And I don't have any other plans for anything else. Love it. Again, same thing Adam shared with us. Also went through the alternative certification program. He shared it last week. So two of the top girls soccer coaches in the city. You know, so if, if you're a student right now and you feel like, oh, I didn't start focusing on education, like that's no, that's no reason to limit yourself. If you have a passion for kids and changing lives at any point in your life, you might be my age and decide, you know, um, I just think that's great. I love hearing stories like that. Okay. So now you're into your career and you start out at, at Hastings shout out, shout out to the leaf Southwest, you know, I mean that, yeah, I actually, yeah, that's why yeah, I, I was, uh, growing up, my family was there for a, a short period of time before we moved to Fort Bend. Um, you, your resume here, you were the volunteer soccer coach and also JV softball. So can, and I, I know you said you didn't play softball at foster so i'm curious like what how you felt about that placement and just your thoughts on that, that um so so i got there and you know i had met up with the uh, the head soccer coach uh, courtney rogers um i am still really good friends with her to this day she was at my wedding um and so i asked her i was like can i just help you please i really want to be a soccer coach one day can i just help you so she let me loved her it was it was great and i learned a lot from her um and, but there wasn't going to be an opening the next year, my second year. And uh, Coach Martel uh, really took a chance on me and wanted me on the coaching staff. And he goes, I got JV softball. I was like, I know nothing. Like I played T-ball. Is that, is that okay? Uh, he's like, yeah, sure. So I did that. And I worked with uh, Kayla and she's back in Nebraska now. Um, that was a blast. I had to learn on the fly. Um, I got hit a couple of times, ball and bat. Um, but it was so much fun. And I think it was a great way to enter into the coaching world because I was so unfamiliar and I had to familiarize myself very quickly with not only coaching, but a completely like a brand new sport. Shout out to coach Martell. Uh, he, he, he's an awesome coach. I've got to meet him and his son is a fellow foster Falcon and he was a dude. We played him in the playoffs at U of H when I was at Ridgepoint and that, that kid could play. So shout out to the Martells. Uh, fun fact. He was actually a senior at Foster. I was a para there for a semester while I was working on my certification. So his son was actually a senior at Foster while I was a para at Foster. Very cool. Very cool. Coming, coming full circle there. Now I'm curious to just a question I have about A-Leaf ISD. Mm -hmm. It's got a unique zoning system, which has always intrigued me. Um, I know when I was growing up, it was always just Elsick and Hastings. However, it, they're right next to each other. For people that don't know, listening in from other parts of the state or the country, and hopefully one day the world, we're going to make take this team play a revolution across the globe. But, um, you know, the, the two high schools are next to each other. So there's not actually drawn zones. It's more of a lottery system. And then they've opened a third campus, which I, I imagine while you were there, Taylor was open. It's in a different part of the district. However, I still believe the lottery system still holds true for all three can you explain that to the listeners because I, I find that really fascinating so don't quote me on this because yeah. I still I mean zoning is so different in every district I've worked in literally it's different in every single sure. district um but from what I understood it was like seventh grade I think you like found out what school you're going to go to and it's completely random um now there were transfers you could do like if your parent worked in the district or I think if you had like a sibling that went to a school I yes, think you could apply for been told as well um but, you know, and people think that like super weird and they don't like it, but I do think that 
there is a positive to that. It's because you, you can't recruit, you know, um, you, you never know who you're going to get. And I think that that keeps it interesting as far as athletics is concerned, Yeah, because you don't know who's going to be top dog the next year. That that's a great point coach. Cause I mean, yeah, it, it's conceivable. Your next door neighbor, like I could go to Elsick and my next door neighbor could his, he may be sent to Hastings. Right. And I think that is cool. It, it keeps it fresh, keeps that, that competitive balance there. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that, you know, you enjoyed it from your coaching perspective. Really curious about how you felt about that. And then, okay. So this is where the story picks up to where you and I cross paths. Yes. Or let me ask you what, what led you to move from Hastings to, to Lamar consolidated where I met you. Um, Rick LaFavors, who I have. Shout out Rick LaFavors. My guy. Immense amount of respect for, um, I think I had contacted him or we had gotten in touch while, um, the year before I left Hastings, I, I don't even remember how, I just know that we connected, um, on the phone. Uh, I think when there was an assistant soccer position open at Lamar, um, but it was, they only needed a science person and I was not science. So it didn't work out. And then my second year at Hastings, I had no plans on leaving A-Leaf. Um, I absolutely loved it there. Even if I wasn't coaching soccer, I loved A-Leaf. Um, but Rick calls me and is like, Hey, I've got a head position open. You know, are you interested in, um, in applying and interviewing? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I had previously applied for head coaching jobs and I did it kind of as practice. I didn't actually yep. think I would sure. get it, you know, without yeah. having being a paid soccer coach. Um, but Rick took a huge chance and, um, and he hired me. And I was like, when I was thinking about leaving Hastings, it was a difficult decision. I'm like, do I stay where I'm really, really happy? Or do I take a gamble and accept a head coaching gig at the age of 26? And that's ultimately what I decided to do. Man, the, the top 30 under 30, Caitlin <laughs> Bainey at the time, that, that is cool to, to become a head coach in your twenties. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a similar deal, you know, where I became a defensive coordinator around that same age. I think I was maybe 25 or so. And uh, that was Coach Sniffen, who was my kind of my mentor taking a chance on me. So I can totally relate to what you're saying there, Coach. And so that, that's, that says a lot about you, though. You know, Coach LaFavors, it wasn't given, right? It was earned, in my opinion. Like, there, he saw something in you, and, and he knew he wanted to make that investment uh, in his girls' soccer program. So I met you. I was, I was doing some fundraising work at the time. And I, I, you know, of course I knew coach LaFavors from before. And so he, he connected me with you. And I, I remember going inside the school to try to visit with you for the first time. And I, I was kind of thrown for a loop. Uh, I go into the classroom, a couple of students are starting to mill in during the passing period. I'm like, man, where, where's coach Bainey here? You know, where's coach Bainey at? And this is where you pulled some Avengers, like superhero stuff. You just material, like materialized and, and, in front of me so explain explain to the listeners what was going on in the classroom that day um so for the record this is not just like a random day uh it was one of our like, 12 <laughs> days of christmas and we had like theme days and dress up days and i used i went all out for those by the way um but yep. this one was uh i think pajama day like christmas pajama day mm -hmm. and i had purchased an elf on a shelf onesie um, and I was a little bit more agile then, and I decided to climb up <laughs> on top of my cabinets <laughs> in my classroom, like the very top level. And I like froze because I wanted my kids to think I was elf on a shelf. Um, and I just remember, like, I wasn't expecting anybody. And <laughs> I just remember a kid saying, um, coach Bainey, there's an adult here for you. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, hey. And then you were like, Oh, Hey, uh, what's up? I'm, you know, I'm here for fundraising. I'm like, 
Um, this is not normal. This right. is not normal. <laughs> I'm not normally climbing on things, but hey, how are you? <laughs> no, very, very impressive agility coach, your <laughs> balance and everyone else is extremely impressed. And uh, no, that, but seriously, just really cool though, that I could just sense the vibe in the classroom. You're one of those teachers that the kids gravitate towards. You're teaching world geography, I remember at the time. And so, um, yeah, I just had a great, great classroom vibe in there. It, they, you know, you're keeping it as a fun learning environment for the kids. Um, another question, you know, we're talking about Coach LaFavors, who you love dearly. I also love dearly and hold in such high regard. One of my favorite um, social media moments I think it was a social media that I saw this. Like you, he actually, yeah. I can't remember if it was both ways or if it was him taking the PK or if it was him in the goal. But I, I just remember Coach LaFayre is taking PK penalty kicks against your team. Can you just tell us about how that all transpired? So actually, it, that was Coach LaFayre's was not uh, PKs. We did have Coach oh. Payne. Okay. Um, Coach Trey Payne, um, he did do PKs with my girls and he was keeper and that was hilarious. Or as the girls called him, Jamie Fox. Okay. Um, but Coach LaFavors, I, I, he was out there during soccer period, which is like a random period of the day. And he just, you know, was talking about how he wanted to take on my top dogs. And so he did a 1v1 against my top scorer and then a 1v1 against my best defender. Um, and I believe it was when he was, he was trying to score um he like shot the ball and then the most delayed slow-mo fall I have ever seen in my <laughs> life the favors just like old man collapses yeah. sideways and I have it all on video oh yeah I've seen it I've seen this video and I I, I hope I, I hope Rick tunes into the show we'll definitely bring him on at some point but that was uh that was great but just like you you know like having fun with the kids like he's the same way you know, he brings that energy that makes athletics an inviting space, you know, for the students. And so I just, and he's doing the same thing now at Ridgepoint and you're doing the same thing at High Springs, you know, so I just, I love seeing that kind of, uh, that kind of vibe. So I just wanted to give a shout out to, to Rick Pele. <laughs> so he call him and showing off, showing off the soccer skills, a Pulisic. I don't know what, what the best uh, term to describe him is, but um, that was really cool. With that flop he pulled, I don't know. <laughs> You think he was trying, yeah, maybe he's trying to get a card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, I think that's what it was. Yeah, he probably, he probably like hustled off the field, but I bet you he was icing the next day or two. <laughs> taking the oh, Like we all are now. I, I, I totally relate, yeah. Um, okay, so another special relationship you had in your time at Lamar Con. I also, you know, you, you were also doing volleyball and you have a great relationship with the uh, volleyball coach, uh, Kristen Cavallo and her husband, father, Nick Cavallo, the ordained one. So let's, I, I just granted that little uh, title to him. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with the Cavallos. Um, so she'll kill me if I don't correct the name. Am I saying? Cavallo. Cavallo. I, oh, I thought it was Cavallo too the whole time. Yeah. And she's like, um, it's actually Cavallo. And I was like, Cavallo. okay, great. I should know that because um, I, I know him as well. I, thank you. First of all, she is like, um, if you've uh, ever like met Kristen Cavallo, she is, I mean, just a force of a woman. Um, she's, she's tall. Uh, and she's intimidating, but literally one of the most caring people I've ever met. Um, and she dealt with me with volleyball, again, no knowledge. Um, and she taught me everything, made me feel comfortable. Um, but her and I uh, remained close. And um, Nick, uh, her husband, uh, who's the, he's the head football coach now um, at George Ranch. Um, at the time, he was um, at Terry. Um but we are so close. Um, Kristen was going to be one of my bridesmaids, um, but we had to downsize. And we had our um, officiant who 
originally we had couldn't make our wedding anymore. So Kristen, I was FaceTiming with Kristen and she goes, what if Nick does it? And I'm like, okay. And so literally that night, Nick and Kristen signed Nick up for, to get ordained online and he officiated my wedding. I love it. I love it. That, that's what I was referring to the father Cavallo thing. That, but I think that's so great that he did that. And then what a, what a presence at the yeah. altar. I mean, for those of y'all who don't know Coach Cavallo, he's a very good athlete, tall guy. Uh, he was at Terry. It's funny, him and my buddy, Patrick Long. It's funny how we're all kind of connected, but Patrick Longstreet, he's now the head coach, head football coach of South Houston. They were together on staff. So yeah, coach, coaching fraternity is, is definitely tight. And I, I'm, so, I'm so happy that you're able to share that special moment you know, with him up there. So, you know, you're, you're, you're doing great at, at Lamar Con. I went to a couple of your games, really impressed with your team. But, you know, eventually, you know, you came to a point to where you, you made the move to Cy Springs. I just want to know kind of what, what did you what did you learn from your experience your first shot as a head coach because I mean I, I was a head coach once I I, my, I didn't fare too well wins and losses but I learned a lot so tell me tell me what did you learn from Lamar Khan that you're able to take with you now in your present role at Cy Springs oh a lot of things um you know it was kind of like a, a team that was counted out bottom of the barrel is how people looked at Lamar and I wanted to change that um you know I knew of the reputation that Lamar had growing up and I knew what it had then and I don't I didn't want that reputation for them in that program um and we had talent and I just I learned how to I I don't want to like toot my horn or take credit for anything but it's really hard to get females and you know teenage girls to really dig down and like believe in themselves a lot of the times um and so and I'm still learning how to you know overcome that self-doubt for them and get them to understand and you know, I'd, I was, I tell my girls still to this day, if I'm telling you that you're good, you're good. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and then honestly, I, we had a lot of adversity, especially my second year. Um, and we did really well. We beat the heck out of teams and then we got stomped. Um, so learning how to kind of like balance that middle of the pack. Um, and that's where we ended up when I was at Lamar was, was middle of the pack. Um, and I was, and I was okay with that because each year that we had improved the record. And that's what it is. It's those, those small victories that, that mean something. Yeah, that is interesting because I, I didn't even put two and two together. I mean, you're from the district. I mean, you were at Foster. So as a player, I'm sure you, you crossed paths with Lamar Khan. So you had that familiarity. But I've noticed, you know, Cy Springs, I think, is comparable from everything. You you know, I know you've got the best season in, in at least a decade. So you're, you're not taking over the teams that are, you know, in those top those top spots in the ladder, right? I mean, it's are, are you kind of – it sounds to me like you're kind of drawn to that underdog – uh, the kind of underdog feel, and you 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 like coaching in those situations. Um, I do, and I and it's, it's it's a like I said, I like to challenge myself, and it's kind of a test. It's like, you know, everybody gets a a bout of cockiness every now and then, and so um, it's it's a way to humble myself, also. But it's like, you know, am I really good at this? Am I supposed to be doing this? And it kind of puts that to the test, and. Same thing. Like, um, Cy Fair is a huge district, huge. Sure. There's 12 high schools and we're split between two UIL districts. Um, and same thing. They were at the very bottom when, when I took over at Springs and I was like, okay, this is going to be huge because here's a team that has had zero wins. Um, and this is six a in one of the most competitive districts, um, for sure in the Houston area, you know, it's like, let's see what, what we can do here. I have a, I have a question for you for all the coaches that are tuning in. Like I was in a position where I've been in some, I've been really fortunate to be on some really good teams as an assistant, as I was kind of building my resume and moving up the coaching ranks. And then 
you know, we didn't, we didn't win a lot of games when I was a head football coach at Aldine. You know, I, I treasured that experience, but I always look back and be like, what could I have done better? As you know, I told the kids when I was on the way out, I just wish I could have led, led better to give us a better chance. So my question being, when you're in a situation, when you're in a, a, a team that, that's not, you know, maybe not has a bunch of winning in their recent history, what, what are little things that you've learned from your two stops kind of being middle of the pack, you know, raising up to middle of the pack at Lamar Khan and then starting from the, a zero win team at Cy Springs and again, pushing them into playoff contention, like getting into that, getting into the thick of it. What are the specific things you need to do differently in that situation versus maybe those teams that are at the top of the standings? So I like to talk to the girls that, you know, were on the varsity team before. Um, I like to get their feedback. What do you think went well? And I don't mean like what was fine. What did you enjoy? What did you get out of last year? What was something that you feel made you better? Um, but then I like to just get to know them personally. Um, because when you're, when you're dealing with a, a school like Cy Springs or Lamar, um, our kids go through a lot. Um, and a lot of that time, a lot of the times that can impact their playing ability, um, or even just their, their self-confidence. And I don't care what sport you play, uh, your mental game has to be on lock or it does not matter how good you are. Um, and so I want to be able to get to know them so that I can help them develop a mental toughness, um, and then have some belief in themselves. And then I always tell them too, I was like, you know, I, I told my girls at Cy Springs, I, unfortunately, you know, I don't want to blame it all on this, but soccer is a club sport. Um, and when you're working at a title one school, not all of uh, my kids can afford to play club mm -hmm. um, or a decent club. Um, and so I tell them, I said, you know, when we're competing against these, these schools, I said, you've got to work twice as hard to be half as good. So how good do you really want to be? Amen. So I see a lot of, you know, focus on building relationships, building that belief, you know, and also I, I like, I like what you shared about just the listening to the kid, you know, the get, re receiving feedback. And I think that's great. You know, so you, you got to size spring, you, you mentioned zero wins to now you've had the best win or the best season in at least a decade at size springs. You, you know, you weren't, you didn't make the playoffs, but you were in that thick of it where you, there were some meaningful games you could have won to, to kind of put you in the playoffs, which is just, People don't understand how difficult that is. Like I said, my career record at Aldine was two wins and 18 losses. And I mean, people don't realize even how difficult it was to get those two wins, you know? And, and so there, there's just, there, it's so competitive uh, here, especially. But on some bright notes, you had two of the top 20 scorers in the district mm -hmm. and one of the girls in the top 10 scores of the district. And you were the, and this, this is, I like this stat that you shared with me. And I like the way that your mind is thinking, you know, of those top 10 scores, all the players represented there were from the playoff teams, except for your player. So you were the only non-playoff team to have a top 10 score in the district. So let's, first of all, if you want to give, give, the, give, give her her flowers on, on who that young, young lady is and, and, and just kind of share uh, what that was like to have a prolific score on a team that isn't one of the, one of the top teams in the district. Um, so that's my, one of my seniors uh, captains this year, um, Avery Kibbles. And she actually just, um, signed recently to play d1 soccer at uh alabama a&m but i remember congratulations um, awesome watching her growth from sophomore year this year i mean she's always been a phenomenal player don't get me wrong you could put that girl anywhere on the field and she's she's gonna be great uh, except for keeper i would never do that mm -hmm. um but she 
she told me at the beginning of this year and she had matured so much, which is why I made her captain because that the growth again was phenomenal. But she goes, I want to be in the top this year. I want it. And what I think is most impressive about Avery being in the top 10 is not the fact that we weren't a playoff team, but she was in the top, uh, top 10 and still managed to give many assists to her teammates. And so it wasn't a me show. I want to be in the top 10. So I'm going to be a ball hog. It was, I'm going to bust my, my rear to be in the top 10 and I'm still going to be a great teammate. I love that. And she was rewarded with the opportunity to, to further her education in her career. Uh, and I think that's just great. And it, it's because I've, I've even brought, I'm as my broadcasting career expands, like I'm, I'm, I've done a couple soccer games this season. Uh, my wife played college soccer. So I, I'm educating myself and trying to get stronger as a broadcaster. But I've, I do see a lot of these times when you have these teams that are heavily club laden, you know, those types of teams, a lot of times they're going to win games, seven, nothing, six, nothing. A lot of times like shutouts. And I mean, so there were some games that were pretty rough for us this year. Sure. Yeah. You know, so but that I guess I guess that's what I'm just so so it just really fascinates me that you were able to have for, for being a team that didn't make the playoffs to have two scores in the top 20. Is is that is that something was that something that, that that's your style of, of coaching? Is that you like to play a, a kind of an offensive style, or or it just it just worked out that way where those two ladies just it just <laughs> turned out it worked out that way? Um, so this year, um I I had <laughs> excuse me. I had no clue how this was going to go. Um, I lost uh, a lot of seniors and um, some good ones too, because in the short time that I have been at Springs, um, Avery makes number seven, but I, before this year, I had, I've had six athletes signed to play at the next level. And so I lost some, some talent and a lot of that was defense. Mm. And I know who I'm playing against in district. So I know like defense is crucial for me. Um, and I did something really risky this year. I said, you know what, instead of trying to force these girls who haven't been playing as long, who may not be, you know, a utility player can play all around, instead of forcing them to play a new position at the varsity level, I'm going to work with what I got. I got a lot of midfield. And so I played a three, five, two, uh, never have done that ever. And I mean, the girls just bought into it. I mean, they made it work. And so I, I just, I can't brag on them enough um, because I mean, it was risky doing what we did. So I would say kind of depends on like season to season, uh, my, my style of play um, and also like who we're playing. Sometimes I'll play more defensively and I'm just like, if it's, if it's a school that I know is probably going to run us over, I tell my girls, you want the best shot at scoring? My two forwards are like super fast. Uh, I said, send it, send it. We're going to lose the ball in the middle, send it. Um, but I will say this, I'm, I'm a big fan of the pass game. Uh, I do not like it when my girls dribble too much and I'll, you'll, you'll hear me call them out on that. Yeah. So, uh, but passing for the most part is like what I focus on. And other than that, it just case to case basis. I love that. I, I love how you re and this is what all good coaches do. You know, I've had, Kendra Venzant on the first episode talked about the same thing. It's, it's, it's evaluating your talent year to year and putting them in the best position. Right. And then the other cool part, I just love how you sold them on it. And I think it's part of your, your infectious personality was to get them to believe, Hey, we are, we're a midfield dominated team. Like that's our strength. That's how we're going to, and they bought into it, you know? And I just think that is, that's so cool. And so no, no surprise to me, um, you know, that you're able to have that success. Okay. So off the field, 
you know, uh, you have a great positive attitude. It really shines through on all your socials. Uh, but you're also, this is, you're doing all this and, and investing all this time in your kids and promoting them on social media, but you're also this t- at the same time going to actively going to grad school, you know? So just tell me, how do you balance all that? How do you, how do you balance you know, your, your personal pursuit of, edu- you know, higher, higher education, uh, you know, advanced degree with the, all the time you, you devote to your kids? Um, I enrolled in the Starbucks rewards program. Uh, <laughs> there we go. There you have a team player uh, nation. That That is the secret. Uh, I was never really good at, t- at time management. Um, I have like severe ADHD. Uh, and I like actually like had to have like three separate calendars to, to keep my life together. Um, and actually not only was I like, going to grad school, which I just graduated in December, um, I was planning a wedding last year. Um, and then on top of that, uh, I'm the team lead for world history. Wow. And, and this year I also teach AP psychology and dual credit psychology. Oh my, wow. <laughs> Are you, have, have you got, how many teacher of the year notches do you have in your belt? But- <laughs> um, the only teacher of anything that I got, um, when I was at Lamar, the football team voted me for teacher of the week uh, for one of their games. Okay, well, th- this <laughs> you are a dark horse candidate to win that thing. I'm, that, that's a serious resume. Uh, coming from a former teacher, which I was not teaching at that level. I mean, a lot of my former students will jokingly say they knew the routine each week. It's vocab on Monday and Tuesday. And then, you know, workbook Wednesday, Thursday, video Friday on game. <laughs> so they kind of knew, you know, uh, I kept them engaged and they stay focused and we got it. We got the work done, but like you are taking it to a whole nother level with all the AP and, and team lead. That's a huge commitment. And now you've got other people on your team counting on you. Wow. I didn't know that, uh, Caitlin, I did not realize that about you. Now I, I knew I liked you coming in, but I have even more respect. So can you yeah. talk about that portion? Like your, let's, can we talk about your teaching load? Cause I know a lot of our coaches that listen are also teachers. So can you talk about that a little bit as well? Um, so, I mean, I've taught like a variety of things, uh, and I was really nervous about teaching APDC. Um, I didn't, I didn't know if I was good enough. Sure. Um, you know, it's funny cause I'm so good at building self-confidence in my girls, but I have a ton of self-doubt and I'm my worst critic. Uh, but I kind of approached it how I approach everything else, get to know the kids, you know, um, and then, and figure out what works. I mean, we have done stuff on the fly Um, and that's the way I like to teach. I like to talk to the kids and find out what they like and find out what they're interested in. My kids actually came up with a really cool lab idea for psychology. We were talking about sensation and perception. Um, We came up with a lab experiment where they had to do a blindfold and like um, no sense of smell taste test with baby food. Um, And I mean, that was one of the most entertaining things that I've ever done, but I think I honestly just love what I do. So a lot of the times I don't really look at everything that I'm doing. Um, I am learning how to say no. So I'm, I'm taking a step back from some things um, because I work volleyball games. I drove the bus for football. I work all, the, I've worked the track meets. I, I work the baseball games. Uh, I'm learning how to say no. So I think I'm actually gonna take a step back from the team lead thing, but I love what I do and I don't have a problem putting my time and energy into doing it into trying to do it well that's awesome and I'm, I'm a couple years out of the classroom now but i mean i'm hearing like you know project-based learning in there and peer and you know, student directed initiatives and so I, I think that's awesome and 
Um, yeah, did, I, I did not know you had that much on your plate in the classroom. So, so again, kudos to you, Caitlin Riley, giving you your flowers. That, that, that is huge. And I, I think all the, the teachers and coaches listening to this podcast can, can attest to what I'm saying. Okay, so you, you, on top of balancing the grad school, you also added a husband to your plate. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your English gentleman, your James Bond, a stellar athlete in his own right as a former member of the MLR, Major League Rugby's hometown, Houston Sabercats, playing down at Aviva Stadium, your hubs, Jack Riley. Um, so if, if you like know me, um, I don't stop talking. Uh, I have severe ADHD. I'm a hundred miles a minute and he is the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. Super chill. Doesn't really talk. I mean, just really, really laid back. Um, but I was actually a, a season ticket holder to the Sabercats, like their very first year, um, when they were playing at Constellation. Okay. And, um, I didn't know him when I bought the tickets, I was just kind of like new year's resolution, do something different, do something by yourself. So I bought season tickets for myself and um, started going to games and stuff. And, um, I actually had a friend from college who, um, I was watching in a, like a, a beer league, uh, men's yeah. club thing one time in Houston. And I was wearing a saber cat shirt and I see this guy wearing a saber cat shirt. And I was like, texting my mom, Hey, there's a guy wearing a saber cat shirt. That's, I mean, I'm ridiculous. Anyway, so he, he walks by and I'm like, he looks so familiar. Now this is where mine and my husband's story will change. <laughs> oh, this is great. You know, girls are like FBI agents on social media. Right. Okay? We just call it recon. That's what it is. It's recon. Yep. So I was just looking, trying to figure out if I could figure out this guy and why he looks so familiar. Well, it turns out that's why he looks familiar because he played for the Sabercats. And just to like, make sure that I was not going crazy I just sent him a message on Instagram and I was like hey in the DMs yeah okay <laughs> but I say that I slid into the DMs <laughs> um <laughs> now if you ask him hey how did you meet your wife he'll say she stalked me <laughs> so, um but you know what he's the one that asked me to marry him so stalking sliding yeah. into the DMs, it worked um but he uh still played with Sabercats uh, when we first started dating. Um, then he blew out his knee. Mm. Um, and there's actually if you Google his name and then like rugby, so like Jack Riley and rugby, one of the pictures of him playing for the Sabercats was the knee injury, and you can see it in the picture. Oh my goodness, I'm I may try to do that here in between one of our one of our <laughs> questions. Yeah, but... it's it's kind of crazy. Um, and I actually I was looking back at like old pictures during the Sabercat season. I'm like zooming in. I'm like, I had a picture of my husband on my phone before I even knew him. So that's that kind of is cool. That's that's honestly really cool. Like y'all, y'all's y'all y'all's romance is like kind of like the meat cute of like a romantic comedy. Like just you're the fan and you see the same t-shirt and you kind of look across at the bar like that. I I think that's great. I did not know. I did not know y'all's story. He would throw <laughs> up if he said that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, come on, mate. It's like, oh. it's like, we we are completely different. We don't watch the same shows um, <laughs> but I mean he his, was a coach too he coached um the high school team for the the Houston Lions um but since he left the Sabercats um he is now a firefighter uh well he's a certified firefighter but currently he's working as an EMT right now very cool and I really appreciate him and all the fellow first responders you know for the job they do extremely important much like yourself in education now and I'm curious you know as a former professional athlete does that help, uh, you know, to have a, a partner that, that can understand like 
competitive elite level athletics. Do you, do you see some of that or what's, what's the dynamic there? Um, it depends. If it was a good game, then yes. Uh, <laughs> I come home after a bad game. I don't want him telling me anything. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> his first awesome. love was actually soccer. Okay. Uh, really. You know, being from England, sure, you know, sure. thing there. So that was his, his thing, but, um, his dad played rugby and, um, he was literally born in the town rugby. I was uh, just going to ask what part of England is he from? Rugby. He's from I'm going to Google that. Where is rugby England? Um, it's near Coventry. Okay. Um, so he, he realized his size and his parents realized his size. It was much, much better suited to play rugby. Um, and so he actually went to the rugby school and all of that, but I'll ask him for his opinion every now and then about how to handle a situation. Um, if it's not specific to teenage girls, um, or like formation or, Hey, we really can't figure this out at practice. What, what do you recommend? Or, Oh my gosh, we're out of shape. We're getting beat, you know, in conditioning. What do we do? Um, but like I said, you know, he doesn't come to games anymore. <laughs> um, because you know, it, it, he would, he would always come to like a game that wouldn't be great for us. And sure. uh, then he'd always offer his opinion. And I'm like, look, I love you, but it's not the time. <laughs> no, I love that. Oh man. I just, I love y'all's relationship. That, that is great to two coaches really, you know? And so, yeah, you get, there's a time and a place, but what a cool story. Say so, yeah, a Coventry. I just looked it up. So it looks kind of like it's like in the West Midlands kind of outside of Birmingham. So or Birmingham. And uh, that's really cool. Now I, I've been to England twice. Uh, my wife and I went, you know, uh, actually where I, I proposed to her in England in Bath. You can tell, you can tell your hubby that story. Uh, there's an old like Roman bathhouses there. And I, that's where I popped the question, but we love England. You know, we definitely want to go back. Have, have you a been able to go or, or B do you, do you have plans to go? Um, so I have not been, um, I want to go. We actually got a, a recently an invite to his cousin's wedding in September, but it's like second week of school. Sure. And yeah. I mean, I don't see, I can't take off that much work. I had double jaw surgery two years ago, uh, almost two years ago, and I've lost a lot of my days then. So sure. I think next year, hopefully, maybe um, our original plan was when we do go to like make a two week trip out of it, stay a week in England and meet his family um, and also go to New Zealand because that's like my, my top list. That's really what I, where I really want to go. Very cool. Uh, I just love seeing cultures kind of come together. I mean, I, I was telling you last night that, you know, my, my mom's Japanese. And so my entire, all my cousins and everyone in her, everyone in her family is in Japan. And so it is really cool to be able to go, you know, a, across the Pacific ocean there to go visit Japan. And so I think you, know, you, you guys are, y'all are going to really enjoy that uh, dynamic. His, I will say his parents and his sister are here. They actually live in our subdivision, which is- Oh, did, oh so they live here. Okay, cool. Very his cool. Parents and his sister do. Um, and actually in September- of 2021 all four of them became uh u.s citizens congratulations that that is very that is awesome welcome welcome i think that's great all right so the main reason i started this podcast is because coaches were always my heroes growing up i want to highlight uh, the positive impact coaches make on our communities and our young people so for any parents of young athletes out there that may be listening today and i hope that parents do tune in too that's another reason that I do this, this podcast. I want the parents to see how professional the coaches that are working with their babies are, you know, and I, I want the parents to, you know, cause sometimes when I do broadcasting, I'll hear some parents kind of just focus on the wrong things, you know, and I, and I don't think, I think it can be an added detriment to their child's experience in athletics. So 
you know, I just want you to, to talk about it. If you could speak to any parents that, that do listen to this podcast and, and give advice from a coach as to what can I, what can I do as a parent to best support my child to have a great uh, experience in athletics? So if we're not talking about, you know, being specifically, you know, the next me a hammer or being the best player, honestly, just support. Um, and then that's, that's lacking in a lot of the schools that I've worked in. Um, and not just support of the kid, but supporting the coaches. You know, um, when I have my parent meeting at the beginning of every year, I said, you may not like me. You know, I may make decisions that you don't like or you don't agree with. That's okay. You know, I don't have an issue having a conversation with a parent, but for the sake of my relationship with, with your daughter, with this program, keep the negative thoughts to yourself. Because all that's going to do is harm your daughter's experience with this team in this program. So I would say learn how to, you know, and, and that teaches your daughters too, like how to be upset about something, but also express your opinion to the right people at the right time, which I think is a, a huge life lesson. Um, and then, you know, if, if the kid is upset with a coach, one thing I tell my, my parents too is, have your athlete talk to me. I'm an open and honest person, but my job is yes, to, to coach and to try to win and to teach kids history. But I also want to teach your kids how to be good people and how to be good people in society and how to deal with adversity. And I think a lot of those little things that I'm asking of parents are things that will, will help with that whole process. And I say, you know, look, be, I understand being upset at the officials. Trust me, I'll be the first person to admit that I've said the thing. <laughs> but try not to let it be consuming. And I, I'm still struggling with that sometimes. But it's a learning process. Um, you know, when there's a new coach in coming in, give them give them a chance. But support your kid. You know, believe in your kid. I wouldn't say. I think one of the worst things a parent can do is over-exaggerate. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't tell your kid they're great, but also be realistic. Um, you know, when I take on these, uh, take these jobs at these schools, I don't go to a team that just came off of zero wins and say, we're going to win state. Sure. You know, so I, I try and tell them like, be realistic with your kids, support your kids, and at the end of the day, understand that the adults that are coaching your kids love and care for your kids. No matter how you know how you feel about their decisions or formation or playing time, at the end of the day, those coaches love your kids. Amen. And I think the big word for me is just like thankful. You know, and that's that's again, that's why I started this podcast. Like I'm just trying to bring to the light what coaches' lives are like. And especially, you know, like I said, it, it, I hope it helps coaches to listen to coaches like yourself and get all these different perspectives. But I hope it helps our society in athletics. Like I just see sometimes so much anger at these games and I'm just like, we should be thankful that we have athletics and we have these leaders and these adults that, that pour so much into our kids. And I wanted to give them a peek into like how much you do. Like they, they may just see that moment at the game on the sideline. They have no idea that you're, you're prepping for like two or three different courses and you're the team lead and you're organizing your whole group. And when I was trying to set up this uh, schedule to, to interview you, you said, Cole, I got to do it after 5 p.m. And then this day I'm doing the track meet and this day I'm driving the bus. And, you know, it's like, I don't think people maybe understand how much of your life that, that you know, you give up 
uh, for the students. So that's just, I just always love to highlight that. And I want to say a huge thank you, coach. And I hope that this, this gives you your flowers that I like to say and, and recognizes you, but okay. Let's have a little bit of fun now. I, I got real sentimental there. Well, let me ask you one more advice question. Let me ask you one more advice question. Then we'll have some fun. We talked to the parents a little bit. What about for students though? Like, you know, you mentioned some, a lot of kids like myself, when I was coming through, like I wasn't some big time athlete, you know, and I, I, I wasn't one of the coaches were noticing or drooling over when I came into high school. So just, just for all athletes, like what, what do you, what do you say to athletes? You know, uh, what advice would you give to, to your younger self or to a young athlete about what, what's the best way to, to, to maximize and enjoy your, your high school experience as an athlete? Um, so I always tell my girls, everyone is capable of improving everyone. Um, and there's a lot of times where I, I don't turn away athletes because I feel like anybody, I mean, even if we have girls who have never played soccer before, you never know, you just might have something natural to work with, but everybody is capable of getting better. Um, but I also like uh, athletes kind of don't understand that sometimes it takes work outside of your athletic period. You know, it's your coach tries but if you're really serious about going to the next level, you know, playing in college or trying to go professional, you've got to put in work on your own time as well. I mean, it's hard work, but if it was easy, then everybody would be able to do it. Sure. And so you have to put in that work. And, and also it's not just like, you know, putting in hard work and, you know, going to the gym or going out. You also have to have some kind of belief in yourself. If you have a lot of self-doubt, that's going to create this barrier and you're you're gonna get um you know to a point where you're you're stagnant so belief goes um a long way and as far as kids that go on to the next level to play I don't care what level you play I don't care if you're d1 I don't care if you're d3 I don't care if you're NAIA I don't care if you are d3 juco I don't care if you are playing college ball at any level you can be proud of that because not everybody can do that. So it does, you don't, it's not D1 or bust. So if any kid gets the chance to play college ball at the next level, it's something to be proud of. Man, coach, you got me ready to run through the wall for you. Cause like I play D3, you know, and like, and you're right. You know, it's like, I guess I always describe myself as not a great athlete, but at the end of the day, you look back on it kids that played any kind of college athletics, whatever level, I mean, it still is an accomplishment to be proud of. So I really, I do need to, you know, I like to joke around about it, but I am proud to, to have continued playing over at Austin college, but um, okay. So let's, let's, let's a little more about, you know, some of your favorite sports teams. Uh, you said anyone that one of your kids is on. So I'm sure you're going to be repping Alabama A&M uh, next, next, next spring. Uh, Actually, San- every time one of my girls signs, I buy a t-shirt for that school. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Sam Houston State football, you know, I say eat them up cats. You, you'd be going to the Piney Woods game, I'm sure, and you're winning those uh, uh, against SFA. Uh, shout out to Remus Bulmer, Torian Williams, two of my former players that play football at Sam Houston. So big fan of your program as well. Uh, uh, J Dog, Javon Leon, that's one of my students from Hastings who is okay. at Very cool. Very cool. You said uh, you listed the U.S. women's national team, Go USA, and I always welcome in my guests. By, I have an extensive jersey collection, so I always try to wear a jersey. I'm wearing my uh, national team kit, the most recent one uh, here today. You listed Man United. Now, is that something that causes more uh, dispute with you and your husband, or is he on the, the Man United train? I got lucky there. We're on the same boat. Okay, you lucked out. Okay, very good. Uh, yeah, You mentioned the Dynamo, and their season got underway recently. Of course, our Houston Astros, which everyone here in the city loves. Uh, rugby, 
you know, of course the Sabercats, but then you, you also listed the New Zealand All Blacks, which of course, very top flight rugby team. And then finally, you know, because of your, your days growing up, you listed the San Antonio Spurs. So we're going to go to our everyone's favorite segment of the show. We're going to play some start bench cuts. Okay. So when I, that it's basically, I'm asking you to rank them one, two, three. So you got to start one of them, you bench one, and then your third place person, unfortunately, we're going to have to remove from, from the club. I'm going to start with three of the greats from a couple different time periods. We're going to go Mia Hamm, which this is my childhood screaming to me here. We're going to go Carly Lloyd, which of course we saw here for the dash for, for several seasons. And then most recently we're gonna go with Megan Rapino. So start bench cut Mia Hamm, Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino. So are we talking like at their prime? At their at prime, the- yes, at the prime. Okay. I just want you to know that I've never felt this amount of stress playing a game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, okay. I'm gonna start Mia Hamm. I mean, I, I grew up on her. Sure. Uh, I've got my girls on her too, to, actually two years ago. Um, I had a video made for my girls from Mia Hamm um, as a Christmas gift. So she did like a little shout out video. Um, yeah. Last year was Michelle Akers. So obviously I'm a fan of the 90s. <laughs> uh, I'm, with, I'm right with you. That's why I have so many jerseys. They're mostly 90s. <laughs> yeah. So to start me a ham. <sighs> okay. I'm going to bench Carly Lloyd and I'm going to cut Megan. I love Megan. Like I yeah. love all people. This is hard. But this I is love- an impossible <laughs> task. I do this just to have some fun with it and put you guys on the, on the hot seat. <laughs> Nobody can see, but I'm like blushing right now. Right. I'm stressed <laughs> out. <laughs> No, 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 no. To- totally, totally understood. And I, I, I think most people, I, the Mia Hamm, I, uh, many consider her the GOAT. So, you know, I don't think you get too much flack on, on that one. And what's the name? I forget. What's the name of that video service where you can have celebrity give you shout outs? I know exactly what you're talking cameo. about. Cameo. Yep. So that's uh, awesome that you, again, the, the little things you do for the kids to get a cameo, uh, you know, for that. My, my mother-in-law is a big Michigan Wolverines football fan. And so I got her a cameo from Jake Butt, who was an All-American tight end. And she, that, that made her birthday. So I, I, I just know I did the same for your kids. All right, now let's go. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a basketball guy. You did list Spurs in there. So I'm going gonna, uh, I'm gonna to ask you a couple basketball, 90s uh, basketball. Here's a start. You got the Admiral David Robinson, who was obviously your, your big man in the 90s. And then our big man, Hakeem, the dream Elijah one. And then I'm going to throw in Timmy Duncan, mm-hmm. another Spurs legend. So I'm going to ask you to start bench cut between David Robinson, Hakeem Elijah one, and Tim Duncan. Okay, this is solely based on how I grew up and okay. um, my uh, basketball religion. Um, as, as I would tell people, I can respect other players, but my, my religion is the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I do want to preface this by saying the very first basketball game I ever watched, we were living in San Antonio. It was 1997. Okay. And that was the year that Tim Duncan started playing. So my very first basketball game I've ever seen, is I have David Robinson and Tim Duncan. And I was just yeah. like, I was in awe. Um, so I am going to, I'm partial to Tim Duncan. I'm, I'm sure. going to say, I love him. Um, you know, I saw the start of his career to the end of his career. Um, I'm going to bench Robinson. That's my boy. And then I, I got to do it, aren't you? I got, I got to cut. You're going to cut dream. Oh, and the hearts are collectively breaking across the H. I know Houston hates me right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I actually have a, a what's your candy. Twitter handle? So we can... <laughs> uh, it's, it's deactivated. As uh, of yeah. now. That's uh, I actually have like a 
Spurs like championship pennant from 99 in my classroom and my kids are like oh yeah. what is wrong with you and like hold on hold on hold on let me explain something real quick I know Rockets Twitter is going to come at you and talk about during Robinson's MVP season how Dream kind of put in work in the playoff but we'll, we'll skip past that I put you up in a position to fail I apologize let's have an, a, an easier one for you this is an all 210 <laughs> edition that's that's your area code out there I got three Spurs legends so now you don't have no pressure about a rocket in there Manu Ginobili Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker start bench cut. <laughs> I have personal things to say about all these people. Oh, goodness gracious. <sighs> okay, I'm I'm gonna start Kawhi. I am. Okay, yeah. Um I'm gonna bench my boy Manu. I love Ginobili, and I know a lot of people don't. Um, but my mom and I absolutely loved him. I don't care how much he flopped. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to, I love Tony Parker, but I gotta, I gotta give him the cut. Fair enough. Yeah. So go and start Kawhi bench Manu and, and, and cut Tony. And I I'm with you on the Kawhi Leonard, just such a complete ball player. And that's, I, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, fight you on that one at all. So this was fun, Caitlin. I know, I know that, you know, I knew you would be just a burst of fresh air and energy in here in the team player studio. So it's been a lot of fun. Please take a moment to give us five stars. This is how we move up the charts. So more people can hear these stories from the coaches in our communities, hit that follow button to subscribe and hear more stories of coaching and leadership. As soon as they come out, join the team player revolution by sharing stories from your community about coaches that made a difference in your lives. Email us at teamplayerpodcast uh, team at gmail.com. Who knows? We may read your story at the end of an episode, or maybe your story will be the inspiration for a new episode of the show. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players that I am so proud of. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. So if you need graphic design work, you can reach out to teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com and I'll connect you. He does awesome work. And our intro and exit music is one more slash good enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album, I listen to this most mornings to get my mood right. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-I-R-I-O-N. A-V-R-I-O-N. Big thanks again to our guest, Caitlin Riley. Thank you so much for all the team players out there for your support. And we'll catch y'all down the road. Thank you. Thank you, coach. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind. Insuring them, I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy 